recurve buck down, baby. Oh my gosh, that was freaking awesome. This is my first public land buck. This is my second set of the season. I can't even, oh my gosh, I just heard him fall. I just heard him fall. Uh. I just shot my Kentucky buck. Fueled by the Outdoors. I'm your host, Chris Leppert. And tonight I am blessed to sit down with my good friend and a crazy psychopath turkey hunter, Jacob Emery. How you doing, dude? I'm good. I'm good, bud. <laughs> um wanted to get you on here. You're probably our most regular podcast guy at this point. Um, a couple times a year at least, but we love the guys that get it done, and you seem to just keep killing things. So we had to have you on and kind of lead us off in the what we would call the prep for turkey season. So just wanted to kind of chat with you a little bit and um, get your views on some things. So if you don't mind starting us off, talk a little bit about last season and how that went uh, turkey hunting. Well, turkey, you know, it, it's actually funny. Last year had the opportunity to be the best season of my life, and it actually turned out to be, uh, bird-wise, the least productive that I've had since I've started in 2001. Um, <laughs> I hate to even sit down and really think about how many birds I missed last year. I got in my head, and um, I might have jinxed myself early on. I, I told myself, you know, my daughter's going to try to kill her first bird this year. If she kills a bird, I'll be tickled to death. If if I, nothing else happens the rest of the year, as long as that happens. So uh, had lots of places to hit and plans and things worked out and they didn't work out. Um, started off the year in Alabama. Um, and I don't even care to, to throw this out there on the podcast because, you know, they pushed back their season for non or for like the national forest and WMAs. Um, then you can only kill so many birds in the first like 10 days of season, did away with some decoy stuff, but there was a loophole for TVA ground in certain counties. I'm like, Oh, I've got this nailed, bud. I went down there and I covered 23 miles in two and a half days i did not Ooh. cut a turkey track i did not hear a turkey gobble wow yeah it, it was it was bad and it's actually in like the number one uh i believe it's the number one number, it's a top three for sure a county for bird harvest every year in alabama and i couldn't i couldn't get on um you know followed following up after that hunt um you know th this is it's my favorite memory to this day as far as hunting uh, in general. You know, I started turkey hunting in 2001 with my granddad, and um, he worked at the state highway department. So he's seen and come in contact with a lot of people. Well, a guy that he worked with owned a piece of ground. It's like some of the most sacred turkey ground in Kentucky. Um, the piece of property that he owned is where I started, you know, cutting my teeth in turkey hunting. Uh, and the property was sold in 2005. I had not stepped foot on it again, and I actually reached out and uh, got a hold of the new property owner, and he gave me the blessing to take my daughter down there where I killed my first bird. And, I mean, I, I went and listened the, the morning before, and it was like, holy crap, nothing's changed in 20 years. There are so many birds everywhere. <laughs> so <laughs> we popped a blind up, and I set her little uh, bog death grip tripod up, put a Jake decoy out in the field with a hen, and uh we had a long beard come in behind us and seven jakes ran him off and you know that's the beauty of hunting with kids is they don't care and they don't know the difference yeah and i was like honey as soon as one of these breaks away you can shoot him and we went round and round and round for 20 minutes with these birds they would come close and i'm like oh my god she's gonna shoot to it one time i'm gonna be in so much trouble <laughs> like and it finally worked out and she leveled one and she leveled my decoy and that was pretty much the highlight of my year because after that it was illinois a five-day tag if you're non-resident and you're looking at 
you know, five days to get it done. And four and a half out of my, yeah, four and a half out of my five days, I went early season, the very first season, no leaves on the trees, plenty of hunting pressure, raining, cold. And, um, the hunting public was actually in the same County as me. Uh, and I think they were actually on some birds, but it didn't work out for me. I can tell you that. Damn. Yep. And then, you know, Kentucky was a struggle, an absolute struggle. Um, I missed a bird in Kentucky opening day, uh, followed by Indiana. Uh, and then we drove my lifelong friend, Jacob Berge and me went out for our first Merriam's in South Dakota. <laughs> and we drove all the way to South Dakota and Wyoming and didn't kill a stupid Merriam's. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that that's heartbreaking. I mean, you watch, I mean, Anybody can call in a freaking Merriam's. I mean, you beat yeah, a pot and pain together sure. at the right time. They'll come in goblin to it, you know. And we <laughs> couldn't we couldn't get on birds to save our life. So I don't know about no crazy psychopathic turkey slayer as of last year, but <laughs> everybody needs to be humbled. Hey, it does it, and maybe God was just testing out your word. You 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 flat <laughs> out said if nothing else happens. And bam, here comes turkeys. Well, I'm just, you know, it's kind of silly for me to get upset about, you know, honestly, God, I hate to say this. I mean, I missed seven, seven birds last year. Oh, dude, seven. you're a brave man. I'm, wow, nobody else in the world would admit that. Um, Kudos. I had a brand new gun. It was a TriStar over under. Um, I put a red dot on it and three different times that red dot was off um what and, uh it was a it wasn't a vortex it was a help me help me help me uh please don't say swamp fox um no it was a burris burris fast fire three okay oh man so a pretty nice pretty nice reflex site and uh yeah, I, I, I whiffed. I whiffed it on three of those shots. The other three, the gun was off. And um, a couple times, the bird was just too close. And I forgot to switch to my bottom barrel. Uh, oh. It, oh, yeah. I had two turkeys within 10 yards last year. And I bet you I threw a golf ball within a foot of their head and missed. <laughs> Pattern-wise. What, what, um, what shells were you rocking? Oh, God. This is where it really hurts. Um, running the, uh, I think, Apex number nines. Crossing $10 bills at their face. Absolutely. <laughs> Turkeys are just about strippers these days. Tossing that kind of money at them. Oh, God. Yeah, I, I threw plenty of money at them last year, and I didn't come up with nothing. Dance, you sons of bitches. Damn. <laughs> That's rough, man. Uh, hey, you, you got on birds. A lot. Yeah, That's a shitload of birds. I failed to mention last spring between, you know, locally um, in Indiana and Kentucky, I called in, I think, 28 jakes. Wow. So, so it should be. There's wow. nothing I love more than a dumb two-year-old. Oh, I love two-year-olds. Those little strutting goblin mother freakers. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Old boss boy. With his long spurs and tattered, torn up, ropey twine beard. I'll take right. him all day. But also, I, I'll say this much, man. I almost feel like similar to buck betting ish, probably closer to elk. You get in on an actual, like a true boss bird that's king dick. I think they're the easiest birds with the help of decoys, especially. They're the easiest birds because they're so damn aggressive. Yep. Um, now, now, obviously, that's very dependent um, in my experiences. And I would say overall with your Jake count or like if you have, if you had, you know, you got a group of 10 Jakes living around there or something or more, he might not be as easy. And then if a bunch of those Jakes, you know, are now two-year-olds or whatever, might not be as easy because they all still hang out together. Um, 
So as long as you ain't got any of that bullshit going on, you're fine. Um, but yeah, that's that's gonna be good. Did you say? Did you say what state that was? That you uh, it was it was both Kentucky and Indiana oh, combined. Okay. All right, man. I hope my experiences in Indiana are solid this year. Um, so you had a pretty good year for getting on birds and, and a pretty encouraging year then when it comes to the future. Um, going to have a lot of, a lot of turkeys left over as long as everything was fine, which we didn't really have any kind of crazy winter or anything in my opinion. So things should be good. That's true. But I mean, I'm sitting in the house right now and it's icing over outside right now, pretty bad. And so uh, like, Raining ice, icing yeah. out. Oh, no, like no. Free, freezing rain. Like power lines were probably going to be going down, but I hope not. That's no good. Yeah, that's hard on them real quick. That makes it tough to roost, tough to fly, and tough yep. to find food. Yep. So last year we kind of had kind of a a funny little thing happen. Uh, we were trying to leak up, uh, link up and hunt and um we had planned it and planned it and i think like the day before you called me and told me you know we could go turkey hunting if i wanted but here were the conditions and i think they were trash conditions like windy and not really warm no sun very um, just, overcast i yeah, remember it just, was very overcast and it was like a 50, 60% chance of rain. Uh, okay. So it was either going to or it's not, you know. Yeah. Um, really kind of a crappy day to turkey hunt when you're talking odds. And um, <clears throat> you told me that, and I, I agreed and said, yeah, you're right. You know, if I'm going to drive X amount of hours to link up, let's, let's make it a good day. And so... I link up with my buddy Pierce. We hit Kentucky, and the first bird we got on, no, wait, the second bird we got on, I believe. Actually, you know what? Now that I think about it, it was like the third, fourth, fifth bird, something like that. It was <laughs> crazy. We were on a shitload of birds. Um, regardless, uh, we got on a bird, and... He called it in, and I couldn't believe it because we're getting down to the nitty-gritty, the end of the season, and um, I think we were approaching the last week, if I'm correct. I, I can't yes. remember. And uh, we struck one that gobbled down in a holler in like a drainage, and it was the just the weakest, faintest gobble. Like, mm, if you really want to get it on, I'm over here, but really don't want to put forth any effort towards you and then we heard which is what saved us he had one of those raspy ass loud talkative boss hands with him and she had something to say about the situation and <laughs> pierce got in her ass and got her fired up and slowly he slowly worked her up, and that slowly worked the gobbler up. And then we slipped in on him, and I ended up being the one fortunate enough to kill him. And he actually strutted in with the hens in tow. Um, it was crazy. The bird didn't care about anything, and then all of a sudden, Pierce had him so worked up. He was he's pretty hot. It was really cool, but uh, on our way out of the woods... I happened to look down at my phone and see a message from one Jacob Emery and it said, sorry, dude. <laughs> and it was a picture of your bird hanging on your e-bike. And I said, don't be and sent you a picture of mine. It was a damn good day. That was awesome. Um, it was pretty cool. So kind of meant to be, um, but moving on, um, when you are planning an out-of-state hunt and we've kind of went over this before but i feel like it's worth mentioning again at least a little bit 
what are some of the things you're doing to try your best to prep for success and put the odds in your favor? Personally, for me, as it is for most guys, especially the ones that you know are going to be listening to this podcast, when you're planning a turkey hunt geared towards maybe the out-of-state side, you know you're you're thinking public, okay? And you and I both know that even though that the weather might not be ideal towards the beginning of a season, that your best opportunity is to be there the first couple of days. That's huge to me. Um, the opportunity at fresh birds that haven't been messed with, I feel confident, you know, going in and chasing the same birds as other people, you know, I guess just comp- not competition-wise, but I just feel more confident, you know, going in at the same time. My buddy has a saying, um, you know, about hunting public. And he's like, you know, it's a, it's a shit show. It's a, it's a circus. He goes, but you've got to go in and be the ringleader, you know. So mm-hmm. that's <laughs> so pretty good. When I plan my turkey season from start to finish, I start low and work high, state wise. You know what I mean? Okay. So, um, I, uh, heck, I've got I got drawn for Florida this year, but I'm not going because oh. it's a crappy. I, it's a crappy WMA. I got drawn in the second draw, so. You know, I would be starting down there the soonest that I possibly could because of pressure and and whatnot and getting on fresh birds. Um, Big things to me is, like I said, you know, go when you can. Um, you got to plan all this stuff out around work, and I know everybody's jobs aren't, like, as lenient as mine. I'm a union electrician, dude. Like, if, you know, work is really steady all everywhere around, you know, I mean, they're not going to get mad at you for taking three or four days here and there and whatnot. Right. You know, it's your pocketbook or checkbook, whatever you want to call it. You know, that's up to you how much you want to take off. Some people can't do that. They have to plan it, you know, months out in advance. So it's really hard to pick, you know, four or five states to go hit when you have a job and career like that. So I'm very blessed to do what I do. Um, So it's really just worked out for me at all. Heck, I don't know. I've been running out of state for birds the last nine years or so. So. Wow. So when you're e-scouting, what are some things that you're looking for on a map? So, you know, it's not the same to me as like deer hunting. Like you can find those overlooked parcels, you know, and you still can with birds. But big chunks, either, you know, accessible by water or, you know, uh, walking trails, whatnot. E-bike is a big thing for me. Um, Big chunks of national forest for the most part um, down south. Now you start getting up, you know, north and whatnot of Tennessee. I I almost don't hunt any national forest. But um, the number one thing that I look for in a state when I'm e-scouting is I'm going to go dive into their harvest records, look at counties, uh, look at WMA harvest, national forest harvest, if that's an option. Um, and I don't like to pick out the most high profile place. I like to pick somewhere that's like happy medium, like, Oh, it's obvious there's plenty of birds there cause they're getting killed each year. Uh, but there's also not going to be that over the top hunting pressure that you come across mm-hmm. every now and then it's unbearable. Um, but that's a big thing. It's just doing your research. You know, e-scouting, I'm looking, I'm looking at Onyx right now. Everybody thinks e-scouting. Like, oh, I'm just going to zoom in and check out this, you know, piece of public. And I'm going to mark the farthest place from the road. And that's where, you know, this is going to be and whatnot. Like, e-scouting is a multitude of all those things. Like, finding a place, doing the logistics on how to get there, with the cost, the staying, you know, all that stuff. Uh, so, I mean, like. Right now, I'm starting in my head, planning the season, and you can't start planning this crap and start looking at these places to go hunt uh, mid-March. It ain't going to fly. No. That's good stuff, man. That's It sounds like you're pretty damn organized when it comes to this. I remember talking to you a little bit about it last year. Organized chaos. 
it's um it's pretty important to plan that stuff out man i i know that i've learned from some people to try to check out you know big timber ridges creek bottoms etc um finding those those good areas with big timber where you can you know start maybe start have a starting point uh to look for roosting and stuff like that but you know it's like anything it's a starting point and a big maybe until you get there absolutely yeah you got to be ready to stretch your legs uh, you know there's a there's a big buck you know just around every big you know there's a, there's a good sized deer on plenty of parcels of public you know but there's there might be some public you come across like i'm looking at alabama like i said earlier you know 23 miles just walking 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 trying to cut track it just didn't happen they're just not there and if they ain't there you can't hunt something it's not there and that's where like really diving into like looking at the numbers and analytics on these websites of these states really comes in handy saves you a lot of time i'll bet um when you are boots to the ground scouting what are some things that just excite you when you're looking for and and let's let's hit a little bit on um and that could also be like driving around i know you're probably a truck scouter just as much as me as well um what are some things you're looking for pre-season and then you know in the moment when you're on an out-of-state trip uh pre-season around the house um i really like to get out and you can mix some shed hunting in with looking for some sign um scratches down the creek bottoms your your bottoms are always going to green up a little bit sooner um than your you know ridge tops and, and hillsides and whatnot uh it, it's almost it's you're almost wasting your time going in you know before they really yeah, get that transition of like hey spring's coming you know let's move to our spring areas and and whatnot because the best tool for a bird is your ears yeah like you can you can walk through some of the freshest scratching uh, that you've ever seen in your life you know and it don't mean jack squat the next day sometimes um but that's where it gets tough is you you like i'm looking at alabama right now and i wouldn't have a clue where to hear a bird if i hadn't been down there before you know what i mean like it just sure. take it takes maybe a couple trips or it takes some driving around and getting there a day early. That's the number one thing you can do turkey hunting uh, is either get there a day early or at least the night before your hunt. Because uh, your ears are going to tell you everything that you need to know, whether it's, hey, there's they're not talking here or, well, I've got one freaking tied up for the next morning, you know. Oh, dude, there's nothing like that. You, you And we all know roosted doesn't mean roasted. But I'll be damned if it if it doesn't give you the ability to go in with a hell of a game plan. Absolutely. Get in, get in super early and just be set up. And I mean, I'm sure you've done that. I've seen your video where the gobbler tried to suck start your freaking 12 gauge. <laughs> it didn't work out real good for him. <laughs> I about shit my drawers when I I'm like hearing the turkey gobble. Then all of a sudden he's at the end of your barrel. Yeah, that's funny. Um, I don't have a lot of like B-roll leading up to that because that was like my early days of filming my turkey hunts. And I chased that bird all spring long. That was a year my mom, she passed on my birthday, April 18th. Oh. Uh, I think that was the opening day of turkey season too. And uh, that was like the first opener that I've ever missed. And you know, the season went on and on and on. I kept fooling with this bird on private. And one afternoon, I thought I had him dead to rights. And I looked about 800 yards across the field, and he was running. He had busted me. And he gobbled one time right before he went in the corner of the woods. And I said, tomorrow morning, I'm going to be underneath your feet. And I didn't know where he was. I didn't make a call. I didn't put out a decoy. I stuck up a little pop-up, like, steak blind, yep. hid my camera, and turned it on. And he was 30 yards up in the tree. That's insane. He just picked the crazy, and he, he, he flew down, like I said, right to me and shot him on the morning of my mom's funeral. So pretty wild. Wow. 
Pretty wild, dude. That's crazy. If you're looking for an affordable technical gear style clothing that performs well, that cuts weight from your clothing, but not from your wallet, check out Huntworth. Whether you're hunting early season in Nebraska, mid season in Ohio, or late season in Iowa, Huntworth has a system to keep you comfortable and focused on your hunt. With early season fast approaching, we highly recommend checking out the Durham lightweight hunting pants and the midweight Shelton hoodie. These items paired with an appropriate base layer will perform at a high level in multiple early season conditions when fishing and hunting. So we've been on the search for a new broadhead this year, and after doing some research and kind of looking around, we found this company called Afflictor Broadheads. We got our hands on some of the heads this summer to test out, and guys, I got to tell you, I believe that this head will be in our quiver this fall. Each and every broadhead is hand-assembled in their Texas facility by people who truly care about your experience. This year, I'll be shooting the K2 Mini and the K2 Hybrid. And I got to tell you, I'm absolutely loving them. They fly great, they're extremely durable, and the penetration is just deadly. I can't express it enough. I also love the practice pin feature these guys came out with. So far, I'm really, really impressed. To learn more for yourself, check them out at afflictorbroadheads.com. As far as shotgun shells are concerned, What's your favorite? What do you like? What do you use? Let's dive <laughs> well, into that. I should have been shooting blanks at them last year to save a little money. Um, <laughs> I, man, you know, the, the early days back in the 2000s, you pick up a box of Winchester Double X and it was fine. And then Longbeard XRs come out and they're all the rage. It's like, oh man, I can bust them out to 60 now if I have to. Right. And now you've got the tungsten and it's, it's kind of crazy to think, you know, that something's worked for 18, 19 years for me and I'll just switch it up in a heartbeat just cause it's a little bit better. But it's it, at the same time, it's like, if it's going to give you a little bit more of an advantage, why not? And sure. in my eyes, when I think about a, you know, a turkey, like, would you pay $10 to have a dead turkey? Well, yeah, heck yeah, yeah I would. So, I'm running the Apex Ninja loads now, and I don't see me switching anytime soon. Sometimes they're tough to get a hold of. Local place around here almost always has them, so I'm never too worried about it. But what are those almost, a box roughly? Do what? How much do those cost a box? Uh, forty nine dollars for a ten pack or a five pack. Okay. So. They're pricey, but they're good. And I've always got a box of Longbeard XRs for backup in the truck. Uh, but you're not you just you're not going to touch these patterns that TSS can give you. No, you know, like I've got a 20 gauge downstairs. That's my very first gun. It's a single shot 20 gauge New England. It has no turkey choke. It's just a fixed full choke, and that thing had like. 25 pellets in the head at 60 yards yep it's like you don't need a turkey choke you know what i mean like right that's insane yeah the uh it's interesting to me how much people still misunderstand what tss is and the reason that it's good and of course everybody's like we don't need to shoot a turkey that far and i'm like well it's nice to be able to, especially on an out-of-state hunt, but that's not all it's about. Like you're getting, in my opinion, a better pattern just because the pattern is dense. The turkey moves his head, well, it doesn't matter because he's still got 40 pellets in his face, you know, at 40 yards. I mean, it's crazy that one I killed last year in Kentucky, the first bird. I mean. I didn't know how far it was. I knew it was kind of out there, but I didn't think it was as far as it was. 20 gauge with nines and 76 yards. He might as well have been 20. He never flopped. He just laid down on his back, stone cold dead. So 
It, um, you know, it's it's not hard to misjudge a bird either. Oh, it's, I'm the greatest misjudger ever. Right. I've done it. In, <laughs> I've done it in Alabama a couple times, uh, judging how close they are because the birds are just smaller than what they are like here and in Indiana. I mean, you're killing 22 and 23 pound turkeys up here where I'm at most of the time. Like that's a heavy bird. An average bird is probably right at 20 pounds. Go down to Alabama, the heaviest one I've killed is, you know, like right at 18. Oh, wow. You know, walking up and down them dang hills. <laughs> Damn. So, you know, Damn. body size, you know, it, it's anything. You know, it's just like a deer, you know. You can misjudge how close they are based on how big they are. It's you not hard. Kid. And did you say, you said you were running Apex? What shot do you like? So the Ninja loads that I like uh, are eight and a half shot. Eight and a half? Okay. You know, and those are supposed to be as dense as a number four lead, but there's wow. like 40,000 pellets in, you know, a three inch yeah. load. <laughs> yeah. An 8.5. That's a, that's a, I've always heard that the, the nines, the nine or 9.5, I can't remember which one, but they're basically the equivalent of a five shot. So okay. if you're shooting four shot, and again, I think that's where people don't understand you've got basically double the pellets that weigh the same as the four shot or the five shot. And it's, man, that's crazy. Right. So when it comes to locator calls, Ooh. are you a who cooks for you guy? Do you use anything different that people no. don't use? Uh, I'm a big fan of Shane Simpson. And years ago I seen him running them, uh, Hooks custom calls owl hooters. Yeah. And I had him I had him build me a custom one and it is my baby. Like I, I can't, I'm blowing that thing in November going to deer hunt. It's in my truck. <laughs> I love it. Um it's the most realistic sounding owl call that I've ever found. I don't think there is another one. Um sounds great, but I'll get a I'll get a turkey to gobble to just about anything, you know. You can get him to gobble to a car door shut and locate him every now and then. Yeah, we've had that happen on public, like last week of season, shut the truck door. It was kind of funny. My buddy told me he heard a turkey gobbling from the parking lot, and I kind of had a little touch of hubris, so I did my crow call, and nothing gobbled, and I was like, there's no turkeys here. And then we walked all around this WMA. We get back to the parking lot, and I think one of us shut the truck door. And the damn thing gobbled. And then I, I lit him up with the hoot owl since it was later. I should have just hooted the whole damn time. Um, we ended up getting on that bird. There was like 15 minutes of daylight or something or whatever legal light left. And uh, the bird was roosted on a cliff below the top of the cliff. So he had basically walked along the edge of the cliff and hopped off the cliff onto a branch and we're look i mean this bird's eight yards away or something like it's super close and we're looking everywhere and finally i said hey he's over the cliff you're not allowed to shoot a turkey out of a tree in ohio so don't shoot him until he flies once he flies you're golden <laughs> so, go spook his ass off that limb because he's literally i mean you could walk over there and spit on him um, and then of course he didn't shoot him cause he's not super experienced with that. I'd have rolled that damn thing and been swimming in the river at the bottom, trying to get him. <laughs> Heck yeah. So do you have a favorite type of terrain when you're hunting birds? You prefer hills over flats, flats over hills, ag land. We like big woods. There's a there's a love for it all. Um, but my favorite one to hunt birds in once once there's some good greenery, you know, is there's no I don't want to say it's easy because it's not easy. Uh there's nowhere that's a better opportunity to make a move on a bird than in the hills. You've got the topo to your advantage, you've got the changing, you know. Uh, you know, with the, with the topo, the, the trees and whatnot, and uh, 
I mean, you can make so many moves on a bird, it's within 100 yards and he has no clue. I agree. And, and then bottom swamplands, you know, you can see, or the bird can see you through that woods at 250, 300 yards if you're not careful. So calling a turkey in through that is way more difficult. Yep. You know, and then you got your field birds uh, in ag land that can be a pain in the butt to hunt without decoys. Um, but, you know, that's what I grew up hunting was ag land and whatnot. It's and, funny uh, to hear you say that. What's that? <laughs> the pain in the butt without decoys. I had crappy decoys forever and had this place where you could guarantee that you were going to have long beards in front of you every day, no matter yeah. what. But they were going to fly out at, you know, 150 yards and sit there and look at your crappy decoys and then just continue living their life. And uh, I finally, I got a hold of a a nice set of DSD decoys and motion in them. And you don't even need to call them. Then they come right in. Right. Yeah. But, you know, the the new thing is, you know, you can't use decoys if you're a real turkey hunter and you, oh, can't, yeah. wear, you can't wear a real tree and you, you can't go in the woods without your leafy jacket. And you, of course you've got to have a $400 pair of boots and got to have about a $150 slate call. And then after you kill one, you've got to have a cigar to celebrate it. That yeah. And if you shoot one over 25 yards, you don't know how to call. Yeah. You're an ex, like a anti-conservationist. If you do that. Yep. Pretty pretty interesting talking (laughs) to different turkey hunters and you mention anything about taking a long shot on a bird and everybody's ready to just lose their mind but yet when you talk to them for the most part it's generally the same answer that you get when you ask them what their situation is they've got a bunch of ground locked up generally they have plenty of time to go kill those birds and they're hunting a single state that's their home state so they can go drive around and look for birds or you know whatever a lot of times they're sitting in a blind and i'm not here to knock anybody for killing you can kill birds with a damn rock and be the worst turkey caller of all time i don't care just don't (laughs) hate me when i kill a bird at 80 yards because if that's the opportunity I've got, and that that was literally on that farm. I had a private farm, and I thought, I'm going to go in here and just destroy turkeys. This is going to be embarrassing <laughs> to the turkeys of Kentucky. And they showed my ass really quick. Um, I, that. I didn't get an opportunity at a bird any closer than that. Uh, it took. I think like two and a half weeks or something to finally get an opportunity. Um, Just the way the farm sets up and everything, it's just, it's a tough place to hunt, but there are birds there. So, you know, don't leave birds to find birds if, if you're on them. Right. So you talked a little bit about your mileage down there. Uh, What was that? Alabama, which state were you in where you covered like 23 miles? Yeah. Alabama, okay. In two and a half days. So is that a pretty average? Are you about a you know eight to ten mile a day guy? Oh no. No, that that was me burning burning ass. Trying trying to okay. Trying. Um what's a normal mileage like with Jacob Emery? I'm gonna go out to a spot, just say some national forest here where I'm close to, uh, and I'm gonna go try to strike up a bird. Uh, it's normally about a two mile loop. Honestly. So nothing crazy. I could go further. You know, all it takes is getting a mile and a half, two miles back and here in one even further. And I'll chase that sucker to the other side of the freaking state. Yep. Yep. Oh man. Been there. (laughs) Oh, didn't get that one. Oh, there's another one. Let's go chase it. Didn't get that one. Oh, and before you know it, you're like, it's like a two hour walk back to the truck now. This is crazy. Yes. So yes. I got the bike. <laughs> that, was my, that was my first turkey hunt on public 2015. We were on, we were way out east in the mountains. And we just, this dude had never killed a bird. 
And I was tagged out in Ohio the first three days. I was like, dude, I got nothing better to do. I love turkey hunting. Let's go. Now we're getting that ice you were talking about. Um, so we go out there. I woke up at some obscene, crazy person time, like 3 a.m. or something. And this is before I was a public land hunter in any way. And so this guy's got private property and we go, we strike birds, fail. Then we hit the public that it butted up to and just kept walking and striking and failing and walking and striking and failing. And we finally killed one. And I called it, so I natural called it with my voice. And it came in. We were on this tiny knob, dude, just super skinny ridge. And basically the bird crested the, the hill. And as soon as he did, he turned right back around and started leaving. He was like, oh, shit. And he was at like 10 yards. Yep. And the guy couldn't believe it. He actually said, oh, my God, in my ear. He's sitting right next to me. I'm like, bro, show's over. Shoot shoot the turkey. Like nothing else is going on here. You either kill yep. a bird or we're, we're empty. This is our chance. He rolled the bird at 20 yards, and it had inch and a half spurs. That's awesome. <laughs> I was like, yeah, wow. There's no time to, they don't give you no time. When they spot you in the woods, it's over. It's, it, well, you better get on them or they'll put yeah. a tree between you and them and they're gone. Yep. Yeah. Oh, my God. You Younger days, oh, oh, he'll come out from behind that bush or that tree or whatever. And then you're spending the whole damn time trying to find that bobbin head. Yeah, and he's 150 yards away by then. So one of the last things we'll hit on is the gear you use. And I kind of want to, I have a theory, but I'm not going to say what it is until after we're done. But I want to know what kind of vest you prefer. And, and, and after you answer that, any other gear, as far as calls, what calls you like to run uh, as far as style, um, you know, you like your box or your slate or, um, you know, mouth calls, whatever. Um, but I, I want to hear what kind of vest you like. Um, just kind of go from there. I really like my night and hell running gun. Um, yeah. I think it's a 200 something. Like, yeah, it's a 200 and I've been using it for, you know, four years now and it's the, it's the minimalist pack. You know, and but that's because I don't run a ton of calls. Like I have five or six diaphragms right here on my chest. I've got my owl hooter, okay, and very, very seldom will I pack a box call. I'm just the kind of guy that if it's that damn windy out that I need to use a box call, I don't even want to be turkey hunting because it's really not that enjoyable. Agreed. Um now I'm working with a guy, a custom call guy this year, and he Ooh. sent me some calls and whatnot. Um, I'm hoping I can help him sell a little bit of product. Um, but I, I kind of told him like, man, I don't, I don't do crazy partnerships that I know of. So don't get your feelings hurt if you see me bust out the old 299 HS strut because I've killed more turkeys with a double D HS strut than anything else in this world <laughs> so most of the time you know my my diaphragms are some cheaper diaphragms i get new ones every one or two years um i think people are crazy paying 15 dollars for a mouth call but maybe i should I think, get one i sound better i think that for those that really genuinely sound very good i get it i think most people with mouse yeah mouth calls don't sound that great. No better than they would with a, a box or a slate or whatever. You can still make turkey sounds. And really, at the end of the day, most of the time, that's what you need. But I will I will be the first to say I preached forever about, you know, oh, you don't need you don't need to sound good. And we've all heard some of the shittiest turkey callers call birds right in. I mean, they sound make you different make yeah they make you cringe they sound so terrible but 
Shut the hell up. Boom. It works, what? dude. I was with a dude one day and he literally hit his striker onto the slate before the yelp. So like he's yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's going like this, you know, just and you hear the right before the yelp starts with each one. And I like kind of, you know, you you thought somebody threw something at me. I'm like ducking, like what the hell? And I'll be damned if the turkey didn't gobble out in the pasture field, you know, 150 yards away. I thought, well, okay, keep calling, buddy. <laughs> right. But I've also seen my buddy, you know, last week of season on very, very, very high-pressured birds make it look like it's opening day. And, I mean, maybe we just found birds at the right time, but I've just seen seen it too many times now where – his calling and 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 again, sounding good doesn't, as you know, it doesn't mean just being able to make great sounds, but reading the bird and its lang, you know, body language or, um, you know, love language in the gobble, I guess, and and understanding the situation and what to throw out there. Um, mm -hmm. you, can, you can, I would bet a lot of people would tell him he's an overcaller, but I'd put that guy up against anybody when it comes to calling a bird in. You know I'm bad I mean? about it, dude. Yeah. yeah. People will think that about me all the time and I just keep putting my hands around their throat. So I just keep doing what I'm doing. <laughs> right? <laughs> I just you know? keep on holding turkeys up. You know, and some people need to understand or, you know, I've been doing this 20 years and I'm no expert, but there's just some turkeys that aren't ready to die some days and then the <laughs> next day they're ready. And, you know, you can, you can read them, dude, the way that they respond to you, you know, do they have hands with them and whatnot? Right. Uh, they're just, they're different. Some days they're like women, you know, you don't ever know what the hell you're going to get. Oh my God. Don't get me on that subject. <laughs> um, is there any piece of gear that's unorthodox that you use that you won't find anybody else using? Um, probably not. Not that I can think of. Okay. Um, I had you pegged for a minimalist guy. Some guys don't even like to run a vest. Um, they prefer no. like a pack, uh, like a small pack or something. But for the most part, Every single person that I mesh with is a minimalist turkey vest, turkey pack type of person. Well, I just, I don't, I don't like slake. I hunt alone a lot. I don't like the slake call or the box call because you, you can, but you can't finish a bird. They always need that little bit when they're at that 70, 80 yard mark. Like one little sound when his head goes behind a tree, like you need to spark his curiosity just one more time. Right. You know, 20, 30 yard, more yards. You can't reach over and grab your slate call. Yep. You can't reach over and chop on a box call. You need, uh, that's why I pretty much only run diaphragms. Yep. I, uh, I need to get off my ass and start running one now so I can do that. Um, I actually like to run a nail call. Like a, no, it is a, it is basically picture a little wooden box with the bottom open. So kind of like a pot call, you know how a pot calls kind of hollow underneath, mm -hmm. so to speak, you know, there's a sound chamber, just take a little two and a half by two and a half inch wooden box with a sound chamber underneath and a horseshoe nail through the middle and you file it down at an angle. And then you run it on ceramic. I'm here to tell you that is the best friction call. It's the only friction call I've ever seen where you could sound like a guy on a mouth call. Now, the sounds are not as sweet as a mouth call. You can do some wicked shit on a mouth call, and it's amazing. But what I'm more referring to is you can cut, you can roll into you know, roll out of purrs and into the, the sharp oh. cutting and yelping and everything, like the fly-down cackles. And um, it's, it's very controlled. It's a really, really nice call. 
called in multiple birds with it last year. But um, while I love that call, I need to be able to use a mouth call as well because that's that's the cat's ass in my opinion. <laughs> that's right. Hands free. Yes, sir. Well, I guess we'll go ahead and uh, close this thing out. We're at about 45 minutes or so. Um, Sorry. Uh, oh, you're, you're good. We're watching each other. We're on video. And, right. you, you know, nobody knows that. So we've been doing these hand gestures and whatnot. And <laughs> they're like, hey, stupid, it's not a video show. So <laughs> you probably watching me. I've been freaking on uh spartan forge just like scanning hard yeah. <laughs> the last 30 minutes <laughs> how are you liking the spartan forge app it's coming along man uh at first i mean i th i like all the guys that have brought it to light um and i wasn't big on it at first but everything has its kinks that need worked out and now sure. it is it is it's gonna surpass a lot of other apps i agree it's uh Josh and I had this conversation um, early on, agreed, you know, when they were starting out, there were a lot of updates that needed to happen with topos and imagery and all that. And now I use Basemap, Onyx, and Spartan Forge, as well as some other apps um, like the ODNR app and shit like that with mapping. And I use Google and all that and I'm always coming back to the damn Spartan Forge app to really like solidify everything. Um it's there's a very high ceiling with that thing. Yes, it's sir. Pretty slick. Um looking at Mississippi right now, actually. Talking dirty, those southern birds. I'll have you know that the turkeys below the Mason Dixon are the toughest birds you can ever hunt. That's a fact. They're the toughest birds in the world. Ask anyone in the South with their 17 bird limits, but their turkeys are so terribly tough to kill. Yeah, <laughs> which now, you know, I hate to even joke about that because like all these states are like, oh, we shouldn't let people kill five birds because now oh, yeah. everybody wants to come here and tag out on five birds. Oh, but, you know, everybody... Is so quick to say, well, it's the predators. I'm like, what are you talking about? Those have been around the last 20 years and nobody's, you know, people might have coon hunted a little bit more back then. It's like I go out to uh, Kansas a lot and I've been out there, gosh, probably seven of the last eight years bow hunting those turkeys. I see coons. I see more coyotes in a day out there than I see in a month in Kentucky. Sure. And they've always are, been there. Are they vegans? Because the turkey population ain't hurting where I'm going out there. Right. You know, are they passing <laughs> up the turkey eggs out there? Um, there's a lot. And I'm not saying they're not an issue, but there's way more problems underlying yep. that, that people just don't understand. And I don't understand. But you're not going to tell me that it's just all these freaking raccoons going around raiding every nest. That ain't. Yep. I, I think that you can always help by trapping and predator control, of course. But, man, when you look at all the people that have gotten into hunting since, I mean, really in the last 10 years, but you could really throw a stick at 2020. And, yep. you know, with the boom of YouTube and the hunting public and all these different YouTube channels now, um, all these YouTube bastards on the Internet killing turkeys, killing eight to turkeys. I'm too um, small to be blamed. <laughs> right. But there's been a huge spike in it. And then <clears throat> I think you're one of the few people that's brought up the corn thing. And uh, I, I'm i inclined to agree with you. Um, I believe it's to my core, dude. I, th I mean, when you look at all the states that are you know, we're booming and now they're struggling. Well, you've got a bait pile every two or 300 yards now. Most of these goons throw corn out. Then, you know, they have, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I've walked up on a 18-inch corn pile where they just dump the bag of corn all on top of itself. Don't spread it out so it molds. 
And, you know, kind of along the lines of what you said, I don't understand it just yet, but I would bet there's something to do with mold and, you know, a, a pulp kill off or, you know, whatever. I mean, whatever it is, something's hurting the population. And obviously, I will say this much, and I think this is probably the most overlooked thing. When you lose your nesting habitat, you like, yeah. what are you going to do? Where are you going to nest? When you don't, you know, the, the whole reason the human population is out of whack isn't because people are living longer. It's because women no longer die when they have kids. The babies don't die like the infant mortality rate and everything. And uh, the mortality rate of the mother, like that's not even a thing anymore. Thinking yeah. about all, you know, we've all had kids. Just about every damn person I know, their wife had some kind of complication that, you know, 30 years ago or 100 years ago or whatever, that everybody died. They just, mama and baby's gone. Now, everybody's cool and peachy. Same with turkeys. If you got a place to nest, then you're going to have a shot. If you don't have a place to nest, well, you're starting off way behind. I agree. I do agree. Hopefully they figure it out soon. I know there's a lot of pe good people out there trying their best to to figure that out. And I strongly, I mean, I'm not affiliated with it, but I strongly encourage anybody that loves turkeys to go get a membership with Turkeys for Tomorrow. Turkeys for Tomorrow. All right. I might have to do that myself. I've not heard of that organization yet. Well, I'm not going to badmouth the NWTF, but, you know, I just feel like Turkeys for Tomorrow really wants to to find out what's going on right instead of lining their pockets and yeah. i'm not saying that that's what they're doing but i can i can tell you what they're not doing they're not trying yeah it's it's interesting i mean i'm not gonna get into too much of that but <laughs> i don't want another cease and desist letter from an even bigger company but um with that said <laughs> I, I would agree uh some of these organizations definitely don't seem they have the best interest at heart, we'll say. No. With that said, to close this out, do you feel like there was anything you learned deer or turkey hunting in, in the 2022 season that really sticks out? Well, um, I think my problem with the birds was I got in my head and you feel this pressure from other individuals that either watch you or your buddies, you know, it's like there is a pressure there to tag something Oh yeah. and everybody can play Mr. Tough guy. Like, no, that's not me. You know, whatever. If you've got any bit of a, you know, social media presence or a YouTube channel, you feel the pressure and I got in my head during turkey season last year and it cost me so many birds and you just gotta go through the basics and tell yourself slow it down make it count it's just a bird just put the dot on his head and pull the damn trigger right he will die every time but if you get in your head that you thinking you're gonna miss or you're gonna hit this or you're gonna it's gonna happen and it happened to me so much i mean you go back and watch the video from my indiana bird last year you'd have thought i shot a 200 inch deer <laughs> i mean i jumped up and was hollering dude like i was jacked and that's just the way i am so and, but anybody that knows me knows that hell yeah that's that's <laughs> what we love about you bro all right well we'll go ahead and close this out i really appreciate you giving us your time on a Monday night um, with such short notice. We kind of got a wild, wild, we got a wild hair and I texted you and you said, let's go tonight. And I said, screw it. Let's do it. So <laughs> that said, thank you so much to everybody who's tuned in. Please be sure to join our Facebook group and um, check out DO3 outdoors. You can watch all of Jacob's hunts there. He does some pretty sweet uh, tutorials, gear reviews, and he's always killing something or terrorizing the local wildlife. So check him <laughs> out. And uh, 
again, thanks for tuning in and have a great day. See you guys.